Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linke. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke. I feel like this time of the year, you'll hear me say it every single podcast, right? My favorite time of the year. Conference tournaments are wrapping up this weekend for the men. NCAA tournaments underway for the women at all levels. They start the following week for the men at the highest level as well. And Stephanie Golan, the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, went into the Big Ten tournament as the number seven seed needed to win the Big Ten tournament to get into the NCAAs. They knock off Penn State and penalty kicks. They are in. Stephanie Golan taking the stairs. She'll explain what that means. Then we'll focus on D2 women. It's all about the women today and it should be Sean Frazier, the head coach for Lincoln Memorial University. They were picked preseason and finished at the bottom of their conference. They climbed to the number two seed. They won their tournament. First time Lincoln Memorial's been in the D2 women's soccer tournament since 2007. One team that is always there in the D2 women's soccer tournament, Grand Valley State. Are you kidding me? Dave Diani he won there. He's now at Iowa. Jeff Hostler came in, won the title his first two years, runner-up his third year. They were knocked out last year by the eventual champion Central Missouri. The Lakers are undefeated on the season. They could win the third title in five years under Jeff Hosler. He's on the program. Also on the program, Amanda Mitchell, the development officer for United Soccer Coaches, and that includes the development officer for United Soccer Coaches Foundation, working with Al Albert. They've topped the one million mark. This is the last week for the all-important Charlotte Moran Scholarship, where you talk about putting the spotlight on women, making a difference in women's soccer. You've got to nominate folks. You've got to get the application in. And Amanda Mitchell will tell us everything that's going on with United Soccer Coaches Foundation and the Charlotte Moran Scholarship. How about that show? I love it. Hope you will, too. We'll get started after our presenting sponsor has this word. It's Team Snap right now. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. I am Dean Linke, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And as promised, off the top, delighted to have Stephanie Golan. It was a great weekend calling the Big Ten Women's Soccer Tournament. And if you tuned in, you heard the message from Stephanie Golan, take the stairs, the number seven seed, pretty much most likely needed to win the Big Ten Tournament to get a spot in the NCAA Tournament. And I will say, if Minnesota wasn't in the NCAA Tournament, it would have been a travesty because they have a talented team led by one of the top young coaches in the game. She is Stephanie Golan, and she joins me now. Stephanie Golan, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me, Dean. Yeah, incredible weekend. You came in as the number seven seed. You've got this amazing senior class. Defensively, you did not allow a goal. You brought it when you needed it. Just talk about what it means to the program. Yeah, you know, we're uh, we're a program that prides ourselves in kind of being the underdog. And, you know, um, Going into the Big Ten tournament, we knew there were a lot of implications for us. We felt uh, we felt we had a good team. Um, our team 
believe that we could uh, that we could get it done. And you know, we we liked our draw. Um, you know, facing up against Rutgers, who's a very very good team in the quarterfinal. Uh, we had a really tightly contested game with them in the regular season, lost in overtime, and a game that we felt we created enough opportunities to to win. So to get another opportunity to go and play them kids were fired up and you know it was one game at a time and they uh they raised their level did what we needed to do and walked away with a win to put us uh into the semifinals so uh our our group the senior class has a lot of belief they drive the belief into the players underneath them and every single day these kids come out and grind it's it's a special group if you tuned in the broadcast you saw us um take the stairs we've done this over the years because a couple years ago you opened up to us about what the mantra was and you've said it stuck around and maybe you've added to it a little bit but uh, tell everybody the mentality of take the stairs including the notion of you know being i love the initial notion because i get it you know you're in a hotel and you're on the second floor or third floor and you know why do all these people take the elevator and that you kind of built from it from there so tell yeah. us that story please yeah so you know a couple uh, a couple seasons ago um i really took a step back and i said okay you know how can we really put together what we've been working towards building within the the program how like what's something concrete that we can get our uh, our players throughout the program over the years to really really connect to and we we kind of broke it down and we love the uh we love the thought behind take the stairs because like you said you know everybody's looking for the elevator everybody's looking for the easy way to get uh to to get up to those uh those higher levels and we know that there's no easy way and so you know we we choose to do the work that it takes to to get there and um you know there's really four steps for us that uh, that build our staircase and the, uh, the first step is selflessness. So, you know, in our program, the second that you choose to become a part of it, it's now about the program. It's no longer about you and everything is about what you can do to better your team, uh, to better the, the program. The second piece of that is the mentality. It's, it is the, it's going to be hard. You know, uh, every single day is going to be a challenge and you have to attack that challenge with the mindset of just inching your way forward, getting a little bit better every single time that you that you take uh, you take a step onto the field or you walk into our film room and you know we're doing a film session. How are you going to better yourself? Um, you know the third piece of it is, is preparation, and this is one that we take really really seriously. Um, it's the hydration, it's the rest and recovery, it's what you're choosing to fuel your body with throughout the, the course of the season. So we're taking all of the things that you can control and our players are really grabbing hold of that. They work really closely with our strength and conditioning coach and our nutritionist in all aspects of the of the preparation piece of it. And then the final step for us is elevate. So it's once you're doing all the all the right things, you're bringing that right mentality, uh, you know, you're putting you're putting your team first. You're controlling all the things that you can. It's how are you bringing others along with you? How are you taking that next step and not just taking care of yourself, but extending your hand to an underclassman and pulling them up to your level? And you know, our, our upper class has done a fantastic job of that throughout the season. And you know, our our core belief is that if you do these if you take these these steps along the way you will be prepared for every opportunity that's presented to you it does not mean that you will win 
every time because our sport is a very, very cruel sport and unforgiving sport, and you, know, you need a lot of things to happen uh, to, to get that final result. We believe that you're going to put yourself in a position to be able to take that result. I love it. And, you know, during uh, the preparations, I was able to talk to April Bakken, Molly Fiedler, and Emily Peterson, three of your rocks, uh, part of that senior class. And every single player that I talked to said, you know what, the freshmen have bought in as well because it's not just words. I mean, once you buy in, then you're all in and good things can happen. And I felt like they meant it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome because our uh, our upperclassmen, they really, truly lead by example. But the, the thing that the senior class has been able to um, to do really, really effectively as a class is they've they've learned how to be vocal leaders and what each of those younger players really, really need to hear from them to get them to rise to, to raise their level in critical moments. And you know, you'll see, um, you know, if you go back and you watch some of uh, some of the film from the games throughout the Big Ten tournament, you will see upperclassmen turning directly towards the player and like really clapping her hands and getting into her and, and you see that player all of a sudden take that next step with them. So, you know, the the upperclassmen they, they get it and they understand it and they also understand that especially with the freshmen, you don't know what you don't know. So when you just step into this environment it's not an automatic for you because you don't really know what it means. Like you've heard about it, you know, you've seen it from a distance, but now when you're immersed in it, it's up to the players around you to really help you sink your teeth into what it actually looks like and help you understand that you are capable of, of more. And the, the senior class has done a great job with our underclassmen in that respect. How does it make you feel that you've created a phenomenon at the Big Ten Network and one that um, you should take pride in? I mean it like, uh, you know, our producer director, Billy Proctor, I love him because he's like me. He approaches every game like a Super Bowl and he's all in. And he was on the original call with you two years ago when you talked about taking the stairs. And, and it's been ongoing banter and even some signage and everything else around the Big Ten Network <laughs> in a positive light, you know. And then because of yeah. that, you kind of feel like, you know, everybody in the production booth is maybe rooting for you a little bit, Stephanie, because, you know, they're all bought into taking the stairs. I mean, literally and figuratively, you've kind of created a, a little <laughs> cultural phenomenon at the Big Ten Network. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely love it, you know. Uh, and, it's, and it's funny because it's our, our staff is kind of a, uh, is the same way as, you know, literally and figuratively, and you know, we—I uh, I can't remember. I think it was Rutgers where we were, and you know, we've got our—we've uh, got our big bags with us and, and everything. And there's people who are on the sixth floor, and everybody's looking over and seeing who's going to the elevator, and the, the ones who are going to the stairs are like, "Come on, take the stairs, let's go!" Um, so it's—I uh, think it's—I think it's great. I think um, you know what it what it shows me is that while it was something that was created for our program and for the people inside the program to, to really embrace and embody and kind of connect to, it's really, really um, it's humbling that people on the outside are also connecting to, to that message and connecting to our program in the way that we want them to. Uh, you know, we, we love it. Like, again, we love being one of the, uh, one of these underdogs. 
and, you know, for people to have something that connects them a little bit closer to us is fantastic. All right. We mentioned the senior class, and then we tie it into taking the stairs. I don't know if anybody's taking the stairs more aggressively than Emily Peterson. I mean, what she did, she tore her ACL in the middle of March. She had surgery a week later, and she was back out on the field four and a half months after that, tapering in minutes, and by the end of the season, playing every single minute and playing key minutes and looking like an all-Big Ten defender. I mean, you've got other great seniors in April Bakken and Molly Fiedler and, and Castro, but Emily Peterson, her story, I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's not too many out there like it, Coach. Yeah, you know, and, and it's really, it's, it's interesting because everybody asks us, you know, were, were you surprised? And I, I always answer with, it was never the expectation, but we were completely uh, not surprised by it. Emily Peterson is, she is kind of the, uh, the, the kid, if you look up the definition of committed, consistent, and driven, you know, that's, that's her. And every single day, like even from the day that it happened where a lot of, uh, a lot of players go through this period of kind of just feeling sorry for themselves, of kind of looking ahead to why is this happening going into my, my senior season. And Emily Peterson's first reaction was, how quickly can we have the surgery and how quickly can I get back? And number two, while I can't be on the field, what can I do to still make an impact um, in the in the program and to help my teammates? And so, from our standpoint, seeing her every every single day, investing herself a hundred percent into what it was going to take to to get her back um, was was no surprise. And we are um, so thrilled that we've been able to have her as such a big piece of our journey along the way because again it was never the it was never the expectation we were fully prepared if we needed to redshirt her and bring her back next year we were prepared to do that and so the fact that she put it on on herself to, to do that and wanted it so badly to go out with the rest of the senior class so you had great success at Army before you came to Minnesota. That means you had a ton of other senior classes. And, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, hey, I like one child better than the other. You don't ever want to do that. But clearly this senior class, a class that actually played club soccer together, three of them played for four years yeah. together, five of them played for one year before they came. What was it about this senior class that made you kind of even with some nervous energy, like I've got to have this team keep playing and in fact, it happened. You're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know, I think, um, this, like, like you said, this class is a class that's been together for a long time. It's a class that, you know, um, I recruited for a long period of time. Uh, I actually was, uh, I worked with that team their senior year uh, before they got here. So it's a, it's a class that is, um, you know, near and dear to, to my heart. And, you know, last year, I felt like we uh, like we could have been in the NCAA tournament, and uh, you know we were super disappointed at the tail end of that. And for them to have experienced that taste in their mouth, I think actually helped us make the run that we made at the end because they knew how critical it was going to be to take it out of other people's hands and take control uh, of, of their opportunity to, to play the NCAA. This, this class, you know, they love each other so much. They're best friends and uh, for them to get to this journey is fantastic. So how fun was the bus ride back with the trophy on the bus and knowing what it meant to uh, yep. a spot in the tournament? <laughs> it was 
terrible. It's ten hour bus ride, no matter how you how you slice it, is uh, you know it's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not enjoyable when you know that you've got a, a recovery and a turnaround. We made it um, as enjoyable as uh, as we could. You know, we had the the trilogy of Pitch Perfect was on, so you know there was a lot of singing and stuff happening behind us. Um, the the uh, coaching staff, we tried to lighten the bus ride a little bit. We stopped at Walmart and got some obnoxious moments uh, for uh, to, to make it a little bit more comfortable. And you know, it was. Uh, we we made the best uh, the best of the situation, um, but definitely less than ideal to have to bus uh, ten hours back. Okay, so then I'm assuming you got together for the big selection show, and you find out you're playing Auburn. You've got to go on the road. Talk about uh, that first round matchup, and uh, as you assess, uh, you know the plans for taking on Auburn. Yeah, you know we're uh, we're excited. Uh, our our team loves big matchups, and Auburn is certainly. A big matchup for us, um, you know. Uh, while it would have been fun for them to come up here and play in the 20 degree weather that we're currently um, experiencing, uh, you know, we're we're actually thrilled to go play uh, in nice weather on a nice field. Um, you know, we started watching some some film as a as a staff on Auburn. They're a good team. You know, they're athletic. They're a team that likes to play, which matches up really really well with us. So. We know it's going to be a tightly contested, high-level uh, first-round game, and we're, we're excited to get down there. One way to get there, take the stairs. Stephanie Golan, the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, the 2018 Big Ten Women's Soccer Tournament champions and one of six Big Ten teams in the NCAA tournament, doing it uh, in dramatic style, winning in PKs over the Penn State Nittany Lions. Stephanie Golan, super proud of you. Good luck in the NCAA tournament. Thanks, Dean. We appreciate all the all the support. And, you know, a shout-out to the other five Big Ten counterparts who also earned their way in, and we're looking forward to representing the Big Ten well. Stephanie Golan, a rock star, as always, winning the Big Ten Tournament for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Thanks for being on. We're going to keep the theme women's soccer. Now put the spotlight on D2. We'll start with Sean Frazier, now in his second season as the head coach of Lincoln Memorial University. It's based in Tennessee. They were picked ninth in the preseason rankings in the conference. They won their conference tournament, and Lincoln Memorial University is in the Division II NCAA tournament, which also kicks off this weekend. Sean Frazier was part of the coaching staff for Charleston, West Virginia that had been to the championship a couple years. He left before they won the championship last year. Now he's coaching women, getting it done at Lincoln Memorial University. You'll like his story. Sean Frazier up next. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Minnesota Golden Gopher head women's soccer coach Stephanie Golan for getting us started. The number seven seed in the Big Ten tournament, knocking off Penn State 
in the championship game via penalty kicks to get a spot in the Big Ten tournament. And that's one of our themes here as well, kind of the underdog rising up. And as you know, we also spend time on the show talking D2, D3, and junior college. Today we're going to stay with women and go to D2. And what was the biggest win for the Lincoln Memorial Women's Soccer Program in over a decade, the Lady Rail Splitters thwarted Carson Newman's bid for its fourth consecutive SAC Tournament Championship by winning its first conference title since 2007. And their head coach, Sean Frazier, now in his second season by way of the University of Charleston, where he was a key part of that superstar men's program. Of course, now he's coaching women. Sean Frazier joins us now on the program. Sean, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for the great introduction. Yeah, delighted to have you. And uh, what a big win. And uh, is we're going to tell everybody, yes, you had a pretty high seed in the tournament, but coaches picked you before the season started at the bottom of the league. So just talk about how your team rallied around uh, both during the regular season and in, in this tournament. Yeah, I think I think um, you know for us, like we we, we had uh, two years outside of the playoffs. We didn't even make the postseason as a program. Uh, the year before that, I think 2015, we um, we lost in the quarterfinals as a program. So really, you know, it's been a program that has been kind of sleeping for a few years. And we brought in some good recruits. We did a bit of coaching, and uh, we got lucky enough to play for a championship the other day. So we're pretty excited about it. Well, and of course, the D2 Women's Tournament, like the D1 Women's Tournament, getting underway this weekend as well. The final destination will be in Pittsburgh for a championship. And you've been in and around championships. Championships, uh, University of Charleston. You're an assistant coach for a team that got there all the time. Chris Grassy got promoted. You left. So talk about, first of all, how that job prepared you for this head coaching job. But, Sean, I'm really interested in how you're able to say to this fine program, LMU, you know, yeah, I was coaching men, but I can get it done for women. Tell us all of that. Well, I think I was fortunate to, to have the time at Charleston. I, you know, I, I learned from, from all the coaches there, not not just Chris, but Dan Stratford as well, um, Connor Branson, who was there on the coaching staff too. You know, before that, I was a head coach at Midland University on the men's side in the NAIA, and we had a good run at a national championship in 2013. So um, I felt like that was a good opportunity for me to, to, to get to the next level in terms of my coaching and, and help me develop some ideas, keep me fresh, keep me thinking. Um, and then when the opportunity popped up at Lincoln Memorial, I, I knew the school was a, a beautiful location. I knew that they had the resource to, to be a challenger. Um, at the time, we had a fantastic athletic director in Matt Green, a fantastic assistant athletic director in Cameron Wicker, who provided me basically the resource that I said I would need. We built a plan to, to improve the program and, and, and change a few things. And like I said, here we are. And you know, it's been a fun one so far. It's been a lot of, it's been a lot of work. It's been a grind, but um, we're certainly reaping the rewards now. All right, let's talk about your path coming over from England. You were a four-year letter winner at Bethel University in McKenzie, Tennessee, where you were a two-time All-KIAC selection and a two-time All-Trans-South pick. Remind us uh, what division Bethel University is and uh, what made you decide to come over from England to join Bethel University. Yeah, so I, um, I I felt like it was a great opportunity to, to join a growing program again, um, a small university for me who, you know, I wasn't necessarily the, the brightest spark in terms of in class, 
Um, so I had a, a university that I knew with small classes I would be able to get the help that I needed to, to further my education. Um, I, had a, I had a couple of close friends who were going to that university as well, so it seemed like a pretty good fit for me. And you know, From the age of 15, 16, 17 years old, I always wanted to be a coach. I always found um, great satisfaction in helping players and people get better. Um, I obviously love the game. Um, how can you not being from Durham, the northeast of England? Um, you know, it's what we live for over there. So, I was uh, I was fortunate to have that opportunity, and then and then Midland University after that prevent, uh, presented itself as a as a head coaching job as as a 26 year old, and it's all just gone from there. It's been pretty fun so far, and long may it continue. Yeah, long may it continue indeed. I do want to tell everybody that um, while he might call himself not the brightest ball, but he was a heck of a player. He is still second into the program's career history and goals scored with 54 and uh, that's a big time action and he ended up as he said coming back to Bethel where he was a graduate assistant winning a national championship at the NAIA level by the way in 2008 before going to Midland University where you're 53, 25 and 6. So you're rolling along there at Midland uh, what made you say you know what uh, I need to actually go to D2 perhaps as an assistant just talk about that decision. Yeah, you know, I think I think um, uh, Charleston is a phenomenal, a phenomenal program and, a, and an outstanding university. Um, you know, and, and, a, and a great location in, in Charleston, West Virginia, the capital of the state. And you know, like I said, having the opportunity to work with Chris, who is is from the same um, same region as me, uh, maybe five ten minutes up the road back back in England, and and obviously Dan, who who now is the head coach there and won the national title last year. It was a great opportunity for me to. To, to continue learning and, and, and challenge myself, you know, and, and, and I felt like I could add value in the position. So it was a great fit for me. And, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's helped me get to, to this role here here today. And, you know, I wouldn't change, change anything for the world, even maybe the national championship we lost uh, in the final there against Wingate. Maybe I'd like to change that result. <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, I've learned from the experience and hopefully the the team here at Lincoln Memorial are benefiting from that. All right, yeah, you did kind of answer the question in the sense of, you know, Lincoln Memorial is a great university, and I want to get to that as well and understand a little bit more about, uh, you know, where it's located and what makes it so special. But I'm not quite sure you answered the question of, hey, I can coach women. And if you did, I missed that. But that, that's a big switch, right, because it's been, you know, men the entire time, and now all of a sudden you're a head coach coaching women. How in the world did you make that sell, for one, and how's the adjustment been? Get that question all the time and I don't know if I can really answer it I just you know for me I think as as, as, as a coach I just want to try to coach um, you know the, and, and embrace the challenge really and, and, and if that means coaching males or females you know I don't want to sort of pigeonhole myself into one area um, you know I don't know if I'm going to go back to the men's game or I'm going to stick to the women's game I think it's for me just all about challenges I felt like this was a good challenge for me again to continue learning as a I would like to think I'm a young head coach. So yeah, I mean, I, th there are differences in the game, but there's you know, th th there's positives on both sides. There's there's obviously things that that maybe we struggle with on both sides also. But ultimately, if it's fun, if it's a challenge, and if if it's rewarding, I think ultimately those are the three key attributes to 
to, to why we do this. What do you remember, though, telling the athletic director, as you just uh, did a great job uh, saying how great they were? I mean, what do you remember telling them? I'm sure they asked you, you know, hey, you've been, you've been coaching men. This is women. Like, what did you say to them? So I actually spoke to Matt about this the other day, the, the former athletic director here who hired, hired me. And, and, you know, really for me, I just emphasized being a coach and, and, and investing time into the, into the girls and, you know, trying to help them improve. And, you know, I think, I think Matt saw that, that, that it, w- it would be a good fit. So, um, you know, I, I did, I, I have coached females before back in England at, at the elite level. I've worked with some of the top players in the country back in England as well. Um, we've got one of them here on the roster now. But, uh, you know, ultimately I want to be as, as, well-rounded, as well-rounded a coach as possible. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough that they gave me the opportunity. Maybe, maybe no one else interviewed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sure, I'm sure they did. But uh, obviously, you stood out just like you're standing out uh, as a coach. Fourteen and four, seven and three. We just heard Stephanie Golan talking about uh, her mantra: taking the stairs and you know making the extra sacrifices. And you know, instead of if you're on the third floor, take the stairs up to your hotel room and and build with that. Uh, obviously, when you saw the preseason rankings and you were low, what was your message to your team and this incredible response to get the number two seed and then win the tournament? The key thing is not being worrying about anything external for us. You know, we, we never want to worry about anything that we can't control, you know, and that is one thing that Chris Grassi all the time used to say was control the controllables. Um, you know, so we've really built a culture on being the team that makes no excuses. We really all, all the time emphasize being humble as, as a team and what that means, you know, whether that means, you know, off the field, does that mean we keep the bus clean? Does that mean we wear the right gear? We, we look after our equipment, we, we, we be good teammates, you know, socially and stuff like that. Do we, you know, we use the right language, we shake hands and look at people in the eye and, and all those things. And then on the field, your training habits, your positive attitude, and, and then maybe how you run out of possession as well, you know. So we really emphasize being a humble team more than anything else, and, and, and we feel like that that serves us well going throughout the season. Lincoln Memorial, the Lady Rail Splitters, which I got to admit, I have no idea what that means, so we're going to need to understand what that is, but we're also going to need to understand where Lincoln Memorial is. I'm looking on your website. It looks beautiful there. Tell everybody as much as you can about LMU. It's a small town, Harrogate, Tennessee. It's located about an hour north of Knoxville um, in, in, in the eastern side of Tennessee, right on Cumberland Gap, which is a small town here as well. Um, Lincoln Memorial University is a level six institution academically, so um, you know we're right up there in terms of academic quality with the likes of a Duke or a Vanderbilt. Um, in terms of academic, you know, so for a Division Two university that is is small but beautiful, it's certainly a good option for someone who um, wants to wants to further their education, you know, and, and it's a progressive thinking university. There's always buildings popping up here. We've got some phenomenal professional programs. We've got a number of un- unbelievable degree programs and options for our kids. Um, it's a safe campus as well. And like I said, innovation is, is, a, is a, big, uh, a big thing around here. And it's certainly fun to see how much it's growing, you know, and uh, I, it's a pleasure and a privilege for me and, and of course for my staff to be, to be a part of this. And a rail splitter is so. So Abe Lincoln is is, is former U.S. president. Um, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Lincoln Memorial. Yeah, no, I know. 
Lincoln, so the university is named after Lincoln, uh, Abe, Abe Lincoln, and his job, I believe, bef- as he was paying for law school because he became a lawyer, he used to split rails. There you go. So that was his job. So I think that's where that come from. I do believe, if my history is correct, that it is a recent change. There used to be the Aerodales before that, which I have no clue what that is. Um, <laughs> But there you go. Well, one thing that you do have a clue about, because of you, the rail splitters, the lady rail splitters, are making their first NCAA tournament appearance since 2007. We kind of started the show talking about that, but uh, let's go back to that. What does it mean to you and your team? And talk about uh, your matchup in your first game. Yeah, we're proud. We're proud to have the opportunity still to be playing games in November. Um, you know, with such a young team, I was just saying on another podcast yesterday that with the youngest team in the conference, we've been starting five freshmen and a sophomore, um, and and we we as far as we can learn with the youngest starting lineup, or we have the youngest starting lineup in Division Two, so it all boards well for us, um, especially with having 18 new players that came into the program this year. Um, you know, in terms of our opponent at nationals. We've just we've just found out that we play Lander University, so you know every, every game at this level is going to be a big one. We know that. You know, our, uh, myself and the assistant coaches have, have have been to nationals before, and we all understand that these are all tough games. They're they're life or death games, if you like. It's when I go home. So we're going to try to prepare as best as we can. But we don't want to. The big thing is we don't want to take the fun out of this as well. We want the players to have fun and enjoy the experience because ultimately. You know, regardless of winning games or losing games, it's about the the, the experiences of our kids and, and the life lessons and, and, and the fulfillment that that brings for them as they as they grow. Coming up right after you is Jeff Hosler. He's the head coach at Grand Valley State, uh, which has another unbelievable record this year entering the tournament. They've become kind of a dynasty in Division II women's soccer. Do you have aspirations for LMU to get to that kind of level? We do. Of course we do. You know, and if we didn't, there'd be a problem. Um, you know, but for us, it's day-to-day. You know, our kids are well aware that there's some fantastic programs around. We have one in our conference. I think Carson Newman is a is a phenomenal program as well as, you know, Leonard Ryan Queens, some of these other programs are as well. But you know, for us, uh, we, we've enjoyed the ride so far, and 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 hopefully we can build towards being something like Grand Valley in the future. We're we're, we're excited about it. All right, congratulations on getting the Lady Rail Splitters back into the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2007 in just your second season. Sean Frazier, a friend of the program because anybody associated with Charleston, West Virginia, a program that has been on this show quite a bit, uh, we like the connection. Job well done. Keep it going, Coach, okay? Thanks so much. Sean Frazier, he's got Lincoln Memorial University out of Tennessee in the D2 Women's Soccer Tournament. You know Grand Valley State's going to be there, right? Jeff Hostler in his fifth season. He won the national championship in his first two years. Runner-up in 2016. Was eliminated last year by the eventual national champion out of Central Missouri. Trying to get back to hold that trophy again. Jeff Hostler, head coach, Grand Valley State. The Lakers, number one in the country. D2 women around the corner. This is Dean Linky with an important question for each and every one of you. Have you registered for the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago? Register today and lock in the lowest rate possible before the price increases on December 6th. There is something for everyone this year with 
specific programming tailored to youth coaches, high school coaches, assistant coaches, college coaches, DOCs, and club administrators. See the full list of presenters and get registered today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. And I'll see you in Chicago. Loving the show today here, United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Big spotlight on women's soccer. Stephanie Golan leading it off, the number seven seed in the Big Ten tournament, taking the stairs to the Big Ten title. They'll face Auburn in the women's Division One tournament. The 64 team was announced yesterday. Sean Frazier, Lincoln Memorial, did a good job talking about his decision to start coaching women's soccer. They'll be in the D2 tournament, but uh, I asked him about Grand Valley as the dynasty and uh, program that everybody wants to be at. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to be a Grand Valley. Easier said than done. And we are here with a regular on the program, Jeff Hosler. In five seasons with Grand Valley State, he's won two titles and he was a runner-up. We'll find out about uh, him slacking off last year. But he's number one in the nation for United Soccer Coaches. And you got to expect him to be in Pittsburgh for the Final Four. No pressure, of course, Coach. Jeff Hosler joins me now. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Dean. Yeah, incredible run. You won the title your first two years, runner-up uh, that next year. Just talk about uh, why Grand Valley State plays such great D2 women's soccer. Well, I mean, I think every coach will, you know, try and talk to you about culture, but, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have a great institution, um, great support from our administration, um, and we got kids that buy into the vision that we created for uh, for our program. Um, and and it doesn't hurt when they're very talented at the same time. Yeah, remind everybody, you came in there, Dave Diani, who, by the way, is in the Big Ten, faces Stephanie Golan, and he had won a title, and you came in and kept it running, right? I'm doing my best. You know, Dave, uh, you know, might be a short guy, but left really big shoes uh, <laughs> here at Grand Valley. So um, I'm doing my best. Uh, you know, we're now in our fifth year where the last last couple of years, last few years, you know, they're, they're uh, our kids and kids we recruited. But, um you know, he definitely laid the groundwork, uh, or laid the groundwork for for what Grand Valley soccer uh, is known now today. Well, you're from East Lansing, Michigan, again uh, with Big Ten ties, keeping that theme going. But uh, you also had won at the job before you went to Grand Valley. Remind everybody where you came from, what level, and the great job you did. Yeah, uh, I was at I was at Alma College in the Division Three program. I was there eight years, so. Um, that was my alma mater. Uh, I was a very young head coach. I took that job at 20, uh, had just turned 26, um, and and didn't have much success to show of. Uh, they'd never finished in above the bottom uh, three in the conference. Uh, but our my last four years there, uh, we finished at second place or above. We won a conference tournament. We won a conference championship. Made the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was a really cool experience for me to be at you know at my alma mater coaching and having success. Now with the Lakers, you come right in and win those titles. What's the best way to describe the level of play at the D2 level, particularly at, at your level, the highest? You're always right there. There's a lot of really talented players you know, at this level, both domestic and international. Um, you know, difference makers. Uh, we, we just graduated a player by the name of Gabriella Mancati. Uh, that led the country in goals the last two years. She scored 30 goals as a senior and 29 as a junior, which is pretty remarkable, uh, outpacing a lot of teams uh, in the NCAA. So um, she's playing, uh, played over in Iceland. Um, you know, she's working on some things to get back to Europe uh, here in a couple weeks, uh, hopefully. And, uh, you know, really hoping to contract the eyes of uh, 
hopefully to sell uh, programs again next spring uh, to give her a shot. But uh, level of play is really good, and there's some really amazing coaches at Division II. Um, you know, and I think you can find that having experience as a Division Three coach and Division Two coach. There's good players out there, and um, you know, sometimes players just hit their strides at different times. Here with Jeff Hostler, the head coach of the number one team in the most recently released United Soccer Coaches rankings for Division Two women, talking about the Grand Valley State Lakers. Remind everybody where Grand Valley State is located and what makes it such a special place to go to college. Well, we are in beautiful Grand Rapids, Michigan, and despite uh, what everyone says. Um, it's not always snowy, although it's in the forecast this weekend. Um, you know, Grand Rapids is a really beautiful place. Uh, we're, you know, 10 miles from Lake Michigan. Uh, and we're really kind of a central hub in the Midwest, being two and a half hours from Chicago, Indianapolis, and Detroit. Um, you know, and I'd be remiss to not mention the Great Lakes here, uh, you know, the great summer life um, that you can, you can enjoy as a, as a student here at Grand Valley. Yeah, it is a beautiful part of the country. Uh, I love Michigan, the entire state, uh, right up into the Upper Peninsula as well. And one thing about Michigan, they produce great players for men and women, and certainly you're getting them at Grand Valley State. Okay, so you win those two titles, runner-up uh, the next year. Last year you were 20-4, and four, so you still had a remarkable season. Talk about uh, you know what you take from that, because I get the sense that you're about winning the entire thing, not just your league. I mean, you're about winning national championships chips there right yeah i mean we're we're really um really proud of our girls this year uh you know they won the the gliac regular season and tournament title um in a year where our conference is the strongest it's ever been we got four teams into the ncaa tournament uh we've had three or four teams consistently ranked the united soccer coaches top 25 poll so uh to have a, a conference as strong as it's been and still have um a tremendous results going undefeated uh, and obviously running the table in the conference tournament um, are, are, are things we're really proud of and, and don't take for granted. Um, and on a national scale, I mean, we, we ran into an unbelievable Central Missouri team last year. You know, we've met them four years in a row in the national quarterfinal. Um, they, um, they were a better team on the day. Uh, they executed a lot better. They had a lot of great uh, senior leadership and depth. Um, and obviously went on to win the national championship last year, uh, deservedly so. Um, and, and I think a lot of the experiences we learned, um, you know, coming into this year, we have an opportunity to kind of get back to the drawing board because we're a very young team. Uh, you know, we have four seniors um, on our roster, one junior, and that junior is a transfer. So this is her first season. So when you take the four seniors out of the equation, every other player on our roster is a first or second year player here at Grand Valley. Uh, so we've been able to, uh, you know, really, really help them understand what we're trying to do and how to do it. Uh, and, and I've been very fortunate to have success thus far. You lost to Western Washington in the final game two years ago. And then you're telling me you actually lost to the eventual national champion as well. So you win two in a row and you lose two basically to the eventual champions. That's what you're telling me, Coach? That's what I'm telling you. I just didn't, you know, I'm still so sore uh, from that Western Washington game. Uh, so I didn't want to mention it, but uh, you know, Travis did a fantastic job with that team. Um, you know, and had some remarkable goals in that match and a, a three-two thriller. Um, 
you know, when they won in 2016. Well, you were kind enough to say that uh, you were watching the Big Ten tournament this weekend. I always appreciate mm-hmm. that, Jeff. And when you watch that level, kind of going back to my other question, because uh, I'm always interested in the top D2 programs when they look at it and, and see Big Ten in, in the final. Could your team win one out of three or one out of four against a team at that level, Coach? Be honest with me. You know, I don't know. I, I do watch a lot of Big Ten soccer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm close with David Iowa, uh, obviously. Grew up in East Lansing and watched it, and, and um, well connected with the six coaches staff of both of them and there. Um, so, you know, I think we'd be very competitive uh, with some of these teams, uh, but there's no question they have some of the elite players, uh, you know, in the country uh, on their rosters. Um, so, uh, I'd love the opportunity to play some of them. Uh, I'd enjoy that. I'd hope to give them a match. All right, that's probably a silly question. What is real is the fact that the D2 tournament is underway. You know all about it. What's got to go right for you to win your third title in just six years? Uh, you know, we've been really good taking care of the ball this year. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're, when we do that effectively and can stretch teams out, uh, you know, we're able to create a good number of chances. And we've, we've been one of the top scoring offenses in the country this year and one of the, the best defenses. Um, and, and a lot of times there's no surprise it goes hand in hand because we can put people in the right positions uh, in order to make play predictable and we lose it and understand how to win it back. So uh, being in possession is really important for us. Um, you know, we've got to execute inside and, and in and around the box a little bit better, which we did on the weekend, uh, you know, winning our semifinal 3-0 and our final 4-0 in our conference. Um, and, and obviously defending. Uh, we've got some of the, uh, you know, I think some of the best defenders in the country in our back line, um, starting with Seth uh, Steinwasher. So, um, you know, a lot of things. And even with the success we've had, you know, sometimes the ball has to just bounce your way. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer if you put yourself in the right position, that happens more often than not. It would actually be his third title in five years, just five years, if he can get it done. As we mentioned, back-to-back titles, runner-up finish, a good run last year. It would be his third title in five years. And, Coach, uh, one of the things that uh, I know you appreciate is the way United Soccer Coaches continues to recognize D2, D3, junior college, all levels. They certainly have open arms, right, for every level of college soccer. They do. You know, we've been fortunate uh, to have, uh, you know, scholar uh, All-Americans to have um, traditional All-Americans um, and be able to get those kids, you know, in the United Soccer Coaches uh, Convention for the awards banquet and such. And it's such a nice, um, you know, cherry on top for kids to be able to experience that uh, and to be recognized because regardless of the level, you know, they're all very, very dedicated to the game. Um, and they pour in so many hours uh, because of their passion for it. So it's great to see them recognized and um, hopefully we'll continue to have that opportunity. Coach, uh, we hope to see you in Pittsburgh for the D2 College Cup, and we also hope to see you in Chicago for the 2019 United Soccer Coaches Convention. i got to believe uh, living there in Michigan, you're definitely a, a no-brainer for Chicago, right? Yes. Uh, convention tickets are already booked. Hotels booked, so we're, we're all ready to go. All right. One more thing. One of the things that uh, I really like about looking at your coaching staff is you've got a couple women on your coaching staff, which I think sends a really good message and certainly one that uh, you know will ring true to the folks at United Soccer Coaches. Talk about uh, your decision to have two women as your top two assistants. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have the staff that I do. Um, you know, they put in so much work behind the scenes and, and such a big portion 
portion of our team's success, you know, is, is because of their hard work. But I've always thought it's really important coaching the women's game to have, um, you know, strong female leaders um, and, and strong females that, that our players can talk to and maybe they can relate to on a different level than they can with me uh, as the head coach. And, um, you know, it's been really cool for our chemistry um, because it's one thing I think our team has and does a great job with. But um, that connection, and, and at the end of the day, for me, Dean, coaching soccer has always been about relationships, um, and we can develop and foster those further. Um, you know, our team's going to have a better chance of success because we believe in each other and trust each other. So, um, you know, Annette uh, and Kristen both do a fantastic job, and I'm very fortunate to have a lot on my staff. Yeah, he's talking about Kristen Walker and Annette Stromberg uh, on his staff, along with the uh, volunteer assistant coach Scott Modisher. Scott's been around uh, a long time with us. You know, Scott was here with uh, Dave Pryor. Uh, to me becoming the head coach and, and we've kept him on and he's done a great job for us all right jeff hostler the head coach for grand valley state going for his third title in just five years on the job as we'll keep an eye on the d2 women and jeff already committed if uh, they can get back and hold that trophy again he knows the deal we talk to every championship coach here as they wrap it up so jeff you're locked in on that if you win it okay i i'd be willing to do just about anything dean so you can definitely count on that all right that is booked jeff hostler the head coach of Grand Valley State, number one in the country as he starts the Division II Women's Tournament. Good luck, Coach. Thanks, Dean. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Jeff. And we wrap up our show with Amanda Mitchell, the development officer for United Soccer Coaches. That includes her role with United Soccer Coaches Foundation, the Charlotte Moran Scholarship Opportunity. The deadline is approaching. We'll learn about that and all the great things going on with United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Amanda Mitchell around the corner. The United Soccer Coaches Foundation is currently accepting applications for the Charlotte Moran Scholarship Award. The award is presented annually to a soccer professional that is impacting the women's game at any level. Applications and nominations are being accepted through November 14, 2018. Applications can be found online at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate. Please reach out to Development Officer Amanda Mitchell with any questions at amitchell at unitedsoccercoaches.org. That's amitchell at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. You just heard that spot right there talking about uh, United Soccer Coaches Foundation and the Charlotte Moran Scholarship and the deadline. And we want to learn more about it and what better person to tell us more about it than Amanda Mitchell. She's the development officer for United Soccer Coaches, and that includes, among other things, a big role with the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Amanda Mitchell, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Dean. Happy to be here. Yeah, delighted to have you. And before uh, we get into the Charlotte Moran Scholarship, because the deadline is right around the corner, how about a little overview of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation? Uh, tell us about the history, maybe some of the grant and scholarship opportunities. Take the floor and run with it, please. Yeah, so United Soccer Coaches Foundation, really just an idea launched back in 1989 with then-President Bill Holloman. Um, he kind of challenged the association at the time to really think about how they can do some charitable impact um, in coaching education. So again, just 
you know, a verbal challenge to, to the board at that time. Um, and then in 1995, um, so it took, took a couple years, but um, in 1995, they finally um, kind of formalized uh, the very first foundation committee and began fundraising initiatives and really launched the grant and scholarship opportunities that people know today. Since then, started with a couple grants and scholarships in the 90s, and then now it's grown to annually we're awarding over 30 grants and scholarships to coaches and clubs that serve underserved communities, at-risk communities, to really try and engage those coaches in coaching education, but above and beyond that, convention scholarships, as well as our third opportunity, which is what we call a host-a-course grant, which we will bring our very passionate instructors to their community, and we'll train all of their coaches in one big training. Again, this is our biggest year. We'll hand out the most grants and scholarships um, ever in the history of the foundation, so we're just really excited that the momentum that we've had since 1995 and look forward to where we head next. Amanda, I love it. I love your energy as you talk about United Soccer Coaches Foundation. You mentioned one of the legends, Bill Holloman. I'm pretty sure another legend with United Soccer Coaches, Al Albert, has uh, played a key role as well with the foundation. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Al Albert is our current chair of the foundation, and he really tasked the group with our current big fundraising initiative of getting our endowed fund um, over the $1 million mark. And I'm happy to say that this past September, we hit that mark um, a year and a half of kind of ahead of his his challenge. So come Chicago, we're really going to have something to celebrate in terms of how we're able to then turn that endowment into more grants and scholarships, enriching communities through these powerful coaches, and offering them resources they might otherwise otherwise have access to. And what can you tell us about the fact that he, you know, he's been trying to professionalize this role for such a long time, and I feel like he's done it with you, and it used to be out of the office. Uh, when did they bring it in-house? And it's so exciting that it is in-house, and maybe there's still some out-of-house people, I'm not sure, but I certainly like uh, the direction it's going just in talking to you. You know, I'm really fortunate to live here in Kansas City, and, you know, this opportunity just kind of presented itself, and the stars aligned, and so having the foundation development officer here in the office has led to some really fun and unique partnerships that, again, sometimes just being present um, adds a different spin to things. You know, um, we have a great advocacy group that has advocacy member organizations for black coaches and LGBT and allies groups and faith-based coaches, and we've been able to do a lot of kind of collaborative work with, with even the advocacy groups just from being able to brainstorm here in the office. So it's been really catalytic and just really exciting to be here, and, and I'm honored to and humbled to do this work on behalf of the foundation. Well, we're honored to have you, I can tell you that. And obviously one of the big purposes for having you on is put the spotlight on the fact that the Charlotte Moran Scholarship Opportunity, the deadline is approaching. And, you know, just talk a little bit about uh, Charlotte Moran. I was I was able to meet her and know her during my time with U.S. soccer in the early days whenever the U.S. national team would play games up in the East Coast around Pennsylvania. I mean, obviously her mission as a coach before she died was incredible. And this is one great way to continue her legacy, right? Absolutely. So currently we're accepting applications and nominations for our annual Charlotte Moran Scholarship Award. It's due November 14th, so we have about a little over a week left um, to get those applications and nominations in. And really, you know, what I've learned in the short time I've been serving in this role and hearing the stories of Charlotte is just her passion for the women and girls game and really just being a mentor to the next wave of, of women coaches that, that were going to carry on her legacy. You know, unfortunately, she lost her battle with cancer back in 2009, and I can't think of a better way to honor her stories. I heard from Louise Waxler as well as Charlotte's daughter. You know, they kind of shared some some just fun and 
impactful stories um, about Charlotte. One time a coach who was working one of her camps tried to kind of cancel on her because she couldn't have childcare, and she really, you know, said that's that's not a reason to, to not be here. We're going to work it out. And so they were able to support a coach in, in a barrier to make sure she was able to stay engaged in the game and keep working in the game and advancing her career. And so I, again, cannot think of a better way to kind of honor that pay-it-forward trailblazer memory of hers and just the, the fun stories I've heard about her, even just from people here in our national office that knew her. Being able to offer this scholarship where, again, people that are impacting the girls and women's game and getting coaching education for those, for those folks. So, again, one thing we're doing kind of new this year is it's not just self-applications. You're able to nominate um, somebody that's impacting the girls and women's game. So if you know of a coach or a colleague or someone you've worked with in the past that you know really embodies her spirit, we'd like to receive those nominations as well. And, again, those are due November 14th. All right, Amanda Mitchell, thanks so much for the job you're doing and uh, making us more aware of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. We do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Amanda Mitchell, is she great or what? What a job she is doing with United Soccer Coaches Foundation over that million-dollar mark early set by Al Albert and everybody with the foundation. Well done. And as she said, United Soccer Coaches Foundation currently accepting applications for that Charlotte Moran Scholarship Award, a trailblazer for women in soccer. Applications and nominations are being accepted through November 14th, as she just told you. Applications can be found online at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash donate. Please reach out to Amanda Mitchell with any questions at amitchell, that's amitchell at unitedsoccercoaches.org, amitchell at unitedsoccercoaches.org. A plus for all of our guests, including Amanda Mitchell, Stephanie Golan, the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, Sean Frazier, the head coach of Division II Women, Lincoln Memorial University out of Tennessee, of course, Jeff Hostler, head coach of the number one team in the nation for D2 Women at Grand Valley State. A big-time show. We'll be back with more updates on the NCAA tournaments next week at all levels. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. I'm Dean Linky. See you same time, same channel, one week from today. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with TeamSnap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more.